0: Richard is a real deal when it comes to the wine industry in the UK and has previously led e-commerce for Majestic and the commercial functions of this UK's biggest specialist wine retailer with revenues of over 300 million pounds. In this podcast we take a closer look at the intricacies of trading alcohol online and share some great insights about the world of wine. Let's get started and remember guys don't forget to share and subscribe. So really looking forward to this episode today with Richard Weaver. Richard has worked in the drinks industry since 1998 and knows everything there needs to know about the retail and the e-commerce side of the drinks industry. I was hoping you could kick us off, Richard, and introduce yourself to everyone.
1: Yeah. Hi, everybody. Hi, Jack. I'm Richard. As Jack said, I've worked in drinks since 1998. I started working online in drink in the year 2000. I set up the first Majestic Wine website, which I ran in one guise or another for 15 years and I've continued to to work in the drinks trade since then.
0: Thanks, Richard. From your perspective, How is e-commerce changing the wine and spirits
1: industry? It's had a very big impact and some of the themes are common to much of what online has done to retail generally, particularly in grocery. The the sort of channel creep of people shopping online has had a big impact on the economics of retailers. You, You don't need to move a large proportion of your sales online for it to significantly change the performance of retail. Stores with quite high fixed costs. So, if you take, you know, if you take twenty percent of the sales out of a retail store that they had ten years ago, they're now going online. You've still got the same rent. You've still got the same number of people. It may be that 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 retail unit is no longer profitable. And 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 something that we've seen over the course of the last twenty years has been the relatively rapid decline of bricks and mortar specialist drinks retailing. Now, part of that is 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 just what's going on with the grocers. So 80 odd percent of wine sells through supermarkets and is, is part of people's grocery shops and exactly the same. In that sense, it's a category just like any other sort of FMCG product. But in the specialist sector, it's had some positives and some negatives. So general purpose specialists have declined. They've declined on the high street as a long term thing but online has accelerated that but actually what we've seen is that smaller independent merchants that maybe just have you know one physical shop or uh, a, a small regional chain online actually enables them to have a, a global, uh, well, certainly a national reach. And we've also seen a proliferation of specialists, niche players, who are able to get to a reasonable size by having a different perspective. So there are companies like Master of Malt, who are uh, spirit specialists and have fantastically big catalogues of rare and expensive whiskies and other spirits that you probably would find in a handful of the specialist shops in London but they're able to offer national delivery so in that sense there's been it, it's been good for niche and specialist operators to get reach but it's been ba- very bad news for the more general off-license sector that certainly that they're majestic is the last of the national specialist drinks chains and as you may have seen from the news even there the the company is now that the retail business is is up for sale
0: is there um i've always thought in terms of majestic or or the wine businesses out there is is there um a clear define between b2b and b2c or is it just all b2c you know how how the wine industry is going for e-commerce
1: so obviously there is a big B2B market for wine particularly selling into the on trade that is has been slower to move online than B2C so most B2B transactions in wine would be sort of account managed that sort of thing there are you know a, a number of the the larger specialists that are selling into the on trade will have online ordering portals etc but typically online we think about B2C Okay.
0: It sounds like there would probably be an opportunity there, particularly on the B2B side of things, particularly with maybe... Larger brewery change, I guess. Who I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because I know a lot of B two B businesses Ooh. in electronics, for instance, they have a huge investment within, say, e procurement. Do you mm. think that could relate more to the wine industry?
1: Yes, it could. It, it, but it, in doing so, it's functional. So, so the way that that trade buying of drinks works is either a shop or or, or you know, the, typically a, a a restaurant or a pub. They have a list, so you know they're 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 stocking up their you know the 16 wines on their list of which probably you know four or six are the higher turnover ones and so the way that 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 market tends to work is they'll do a sort of annual contract review with their existing supplier and the beauty parade of uh, of a couple of other suppliers determine what the wine list is going to be for the next 12 months and then essentially somebody in each pub or restaurant will 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 place an order you know on a sunday morning because they've what they've sold through on on, on the Saturday night sort of thing. So in that sense, it's procurement in a very practical and functional way. Whereas obviously with B2C, it's much more about user experience and much more about how do you replicate some of the the ways of selling wine that don't automatically translate online by tasting it or talking to people.
0: Okay, perfect. And what would you say the challenges are when selling alcohol online,
1: there, there's two really that are key. The the, the first one, uh, as I've just talked about, is that wine is a very unusual category because you can just kind of think of wine. You can divide it into red, white, and rose, but actually, beyond that, there are you know all sorts of variations. It's a, it's a complex category. There's there's nothing else you'll see in the supermarket where there's that variety of choice and where and probably there's the biggest gap between consumer understanding and the level of choice that's available. What I mean by that is a typical supermarket will be selling several hundred wines and People shop that in very different ways. Some people, you know, will go to brands. Some people will have keywords they look for on a label that they know they like. Some people will explore all over the place, and so on. The the key point is it's subjective. So there are lots of different red wines, but obviously, having worked in the trade for twenty years, I'd say this, but I think everybody would agree they don't all taste the same. And how that translates then into selling the product online is quite tricky. There are things you can do physically, like allow people to taste wine before they buy it, and. Traditionally, you can also talk to people and and that's been done in the wine trade for many years. Some people... In some cases, in a very snooty way, can I say the you know the, the image of the traditional sommelier, the very floral wine speak, the the going over the top with all the you know it tastes like you know there's blueberries leaping out the glass. Some people have done it in a more practical and down to earth way, but but effectively, what you're doing is putting your hands in in a person to listen to you and make recommendations. Obviously, online it works slightly differently, and I think what I've seen over the last sort of 20 years really of working in the space has been that it has it has been harder to translate that user experience into online selling than almost any category i can think of where there are in some cases, very obvious benefits to shopping online versus shopping in a, in a sort of bricks and mortar environment. You know, I, I wrestled with it for 15 years of how do I replicate the experience of walking into a Majestic store, tasting wine and, and, and talking to, you know, the the staff there what can online offer? Now, the answer is technology and, and recommendation. And, and and we're finally making progress as an industry in, in, in that regard. But that, that sensory, that subjective aspect of wine is probably the biggest challenge online. The second is all to do with logistics and economics. Wine is heavy, it's fragile, and it's a low margin industry because it's a grocery item. It's basically not really economic to courier wine at or below the the UK average bottle price of which is five sixty eight at the moment. It it doesn't cost much more to ship a case of wine that costs a hundred pounds a bottle than it does to ship a case of wine that costs. $4.99, You might add some insurance and, and bulletproof your packaging, but fundamentally, that you know it, it's the same. It's twelve bottles of wine. Just one one costs twenty times the other, but the, the the shipping costs and the packaging costs are broadly in line. So the the online market needs to to service a higher spend than the the, the grocery market or it needs to come along as part of your grocery shop. And, and, and so the, the market is is somewhat split between wine as a grocery item, as just another category in your weekly shop, and specialists, and typically the specialists will be looking for a, a higher bottle price than the, than the grocers.
0: How large do you think is the online drinks market in the UK and... What are the future developments and possibilities
1: are there, do you think? So it's it's estimated at around one and a half billion, which is, is, is pretty big. Obviously, that's driven again by wine as, as part of grocery. The IWSR regards the UK as pretty much the most mature market in the world for online wine which is why gray haired people like me can say they were there at the beginning. <laughs> but there are other markets around the world that, that, that are less mature. And that's kind of that's driven more by the maturity of, of online grocery in the UK and also the reasons why that has developed faster here than in other countries that might have bigger markets, but a much larger physical space like the US or China.
0: Okay. What, in terms of regulation for the domestic market, are there many hurdles? Do you feel when looking to push a brand across other, other territories?
1: So alcohol is obviously regulated. We've got to do age verification to sell to over-18s. Everyone in the UK, everyone's subject to Portman Group Code about marketing of alcohol alongside all the other trading standards that, that, that everyone would work to. In terms of territories within the UK it's relatively straightforward. The big development has been since 2010 that uh, Scottish devolution has led to different regulatory requirements in Scotland. Um, there was the Alcohol Scotland Act in 2010 that banned things like multi-buys on alcohol. So effectively a lot of the promotional tools that are used in England and Wales are no longer viable in Scotland and that became a little bit more tricky to handle the bottom end of the market last year when the Scottish government introduced minimum unit pricing for alcohol which doesn't really affect products such as wine that are selling over say six pounds a bottle or or, or spirits beyond the sort of entry price range but it's just another complication for anyone operating in the, the the alcohol sector in the UK. International whole different ballgame. International shipping and marketing of wine is different. Both the way that you sell wine to consumers is different in different markets and also the the regulatory issues of cross-border shipping of wine are complicated. Can you see any disruption happening in this category? Yes, yeah, so the biggest disruptors are, are, are two things really. One is subscription, which is becoming a big feature of selling of alcohol online the other is an emphasis on cutting out the middleman and, and doing things a little bit differently. So subscription's been around for years in, in in the mail order department going back, you know, three or four decades. Lathwaite's and the Sunday Times Wine Club have been doing it, doing it forever, but it's proliferated with the growth of online wine sales. Naked Wines is probably the biggest example of what I'm talking about because they kind of do both. So naked customers will pay, you know, £20 pounds or more a month into a effectively a, an account. So they've got money coming out of their account by direct debit every month. But then the wines that they offer are exclusive to Naked and they're made by working with small winemakers. Effectively, what Naked do is take the balance that's in those customer accounts and use it to help fund small winemakers to make wine specifically for Naked. That subscription model has also really been fueled by the growth more recently of interest in craft beer and spirits. So there are a number of craft beer monthly subscription cases, and, and that works well because that's such a diverse category. There are new beers springing up all the time, so it's a very vibrant market. Equally, there are, you know, monthly gin subscription schemes, whiskey subscription schemes, cider subscription schemes. And so that that's definitely disruptive, even though it's effectively a relatively old technique that's been repurposed.
0: Okay. I mean, what, what things would you need to consider on the logistics side of things then? What strategies would you have to think about when shipping wine well, across the UK, I guess, and, and overseas?
1: UK is, uh, of all the markets in the world, relatively easy because we're a small island with a relatively large number of people on it and and we tend to drink a reasonable amount. I I say that relative to the rest of the world, it's still, compared to other products like clothing or electronics, relatively expensive because of fragility and, uh, and weight once you move into overseas selling it's very different partly because of those those freight costs suddenly start to spiral it costs a lot of money to move a you know consumer quantities of wine internationally obviously you know shipping whole containers is fine but if a customer wants to buy and import a single case of wine from let's say the states that that's that's quite a lot of air freight In terms of regulations, though, that's where it's really complex. So, you know, a bit of complication with England and Scotland in the UK, but you compare that to the different customs regimes, duty regimes, even within the EU. And in particular for UK-based retailers, because we have a very high duty rate, if you're storing your wine with duty paid and you want to export it, the the process of reclaiming UK duty is, is horrendous. And nobody internationally wants to pay UK duty. And in fact, you have to pay the duty in the country of delivery. So so cross border shipping is is extremely difficult in the EU. And in fact, it, it's not possible to ship wine into the uk from lower duty regimes unless you physically bring it back yourself so the market for bringing wine back from calais relies on the fact that someone is transporting it themselves it's not possible to post wine from france to the uk without paying the uk duty anyway in which case you might as well buy in the UK. So there's no there's no way of taking advantage of that, the difference in tax rates. Once you skip over to the US, it gets more complicated still because it's fifty sets of regulations. It's different alcohol is regulated by the states. And they're all completely different. Even from within the US, it's in, it's a very complex picture. Shipping across, there are some states that it's basically impossible to deliver wine to. Certainly from outside the state, there are some that are have much more liberal regimes. There are different rules if you are producing your own wine versus selling someone else's, and different rules again if it's imported versus domestic. The the regulatory pattern across the US is an absolute minefield.
0: Obviously from the US we have Amazon don't we? I know Amazon's, <laughs> Amazon's not well known for being a, a kind of wine or spirits business because it, it caters for every single category but a lot of businesses are feeling threatened because Amazon are taking more and more market share. I've not read so much about this but from your perspective how are Amazon really
1: tackling this space? Amazon have been a sort of threat on the horizon for anyone that's not Amazon in the drinks trade for a very long time. I think what's interesting is they've had Certainly, in the UK, they've had several stabs at making wine a bigger thing, and then sort of retreat it. In my time, I, you know, there are times we thought, okay, they're really getting behind this as a, as a category. They're going to push it, and then it just sort of slowly moves away. From 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 what I can see, I think there's there's two reasons behind that. One is Amazon is is very very good at what it does in terms of selling through wisdom of the crowd through selling high volume and 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 so on but they need a relatively high margin product for it to be really solidly economically viable especially with prime customers getting free delivery and i think they've struggled given the low margins that they'd need to be competitive on price so where they've really succeeded is in disrupting higher margin markets like you know, originally books, latterly things like electronics and so on. And actually, if you look at the the, the areas where Amazon have consistently tried and and are a big player and 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 and, and need to be watched by everyone in the market. But uh, it's, it's not unlike their, their sort of pattern with clothing, which is, you know, obviously they're big and obviously they, they, they sell a lot of stuff, but they have not managed to, to, to really get a dominant position in the market after, after some uh, attempt at trying. So Amazon are a, are, are a force to watch, but they're not really doing anything disruptive within the drink sector.
0: Talking about Disruptive, are there any exciting startups in this space and which existing businesses do you feel are doing it really well?
1: So in terms of, if you look globally in terms of scale, Naked are absolutely flying. They're in the UK, US and Australia. The US market has huge potential for them, regulatory issues aside. And so they're probably the, the, the biggest and the best known success story for, for online wine. In terms of startups, what I find exciting are the different ways in which people are trying to find niches, particularly around either product specialism I mentioned Master of Malt earlier, they're they're a very successful specialist, or in how they do subscriptions. So we've had, you know, quarterly cases. Now there are people like Nosy offering three bottles of wine a month, and we're beginning to see some packaging innovation in being able to send smaller format plastic bottles that are sort of letterbox enabled. So in the way that we've had, you know, letterbox flowers and letterbox snacks to graze and, and 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 those sorts of things, people are trying to find ways of making wine a physically easier thing to to, to get through the letterbox.
0: That's re- I've seen those actually. What's that business called? The one that
1: there's a there's. Company called Garçon Wines, who do a, a thing called Letterbox Wine, it's also now becoming a thing for the gifting market. So the likes of Prezi Box and Moonpig are getting into that space. The issue it has is that effectively all that product is really rebottled. So it's not necessarily the cheapest thing to do because you've got to do reasonably big runs for it to be worthwhile, but it's not the most automated of processes. But I, I, I can see that. For the marketing of wine, if not perhaps for the the sort of ongoing consumption of wine, it's going to become a thing. I mean, for for producers of premium wine, if they if they could target quite closely a, a good audience and send a sample size bottle of wine to just the right people, you know that that's a very powerful thing that they can do. That's that's almost more CRM than it is online retail. There's
0: a great opportunity, there, isn't there? There is. And I guess just to finish off, if you could give any advice to any current business selling alcohol online or going to come into the market to sell alcohol, what advice would you give any business?
1: I would give two pieces of advice. One is you need to scale quickly in order to make your logistics work. And the second is, which is more of a sort of appeal to the trade as much as it is to, you know, a piece of advice. But the, the, the thing that we really need to crack in the drink sector is how we sell through AI. I've never seen an online wine recommendation system that has really for someone like me who who's I like to think I I know my stuff there's there's nothing that's really got close to the sort of level of understanding that someone that really knows their stuff can can can, can offer. I don't think there's any technological reason for that other than that I, the, perhaps the wine market ha- isn't such a because it, it it's not big enough for that people have I've put a lot of money into making AI work in terms of recommending wines. We've had lots of wisdom of the crowd, co-buying, you know, you know, recommend and lots of different ways of doing recommendations. No one's quite quite cracked that yet. And I think if if someone could find a way of of coming up with a really good, tailored personalized wine experience in the way that the likes of Indochino or suit that fits are doing for clothes or thread, for example, then I think that is that has real potential.
0: Richard, it's been great speaking today and understanding more about an industry which has tremendous opportunities. Thank you so much again. And let's have you on again soon.
1: Great. Thanks, Jack. Thanks, Richard. Bye.